Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. This is your host CC Wong, and you're listening to my interview podcast, where I chat with people from all walks of life to hear their stories and to share insights we can all learn from. Now, if you're an art lover like myself, then you're going to enjoy today's episode. Linda McMaster is an artist and the founder of Art Barn, a nonprofit art school based in Toronto, Canada. She created the school back in 2005 after decades of dreaming about it. Linda is passionate about arts education, and she invited me over to Art Barn when I reached out to her for an interview to show me the art they do at the school. While there, we also chatted about her career path, the experience of building a nonprofit art school from scratch. The benefits of getting involved in art for people of all ages. The following interview was recorded during that visit. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much, Sissy. It's a it's great to be here with you and、uh, yeah, having this little chat about Art Barn. I want you to maybe start from the very beginning, way before you even founded Art Barn. Tell me about、um, how you got into art, the space yourself. Well, I mean, I always loved art my whole entire life, and、uh, certainly really enjoyed my education in、um, at York University, studying fine arts. I did、uh, my diploma in、um, graphic design, so. After university, I went into the design field, and I became a graphic designer, working freelance、um, for a number of different clients. It was great, great experience for me. And、um, but I did want to. I always wanted to get back into education, so I did take my my bachelor of education、um, after my kids were grown up a bit, so a bit later, and.、Uh, Took my bachelor of ed and、uh, became a teacher, and luckily got a job at a private school teaching just art, which is exactly what I wanted to do. Fantastic opportunity there. I worked for six years teaching K to twelve, all the students in this little school. And by the time I left, there were like two hundred students, <laughs> so it was it was exciting. I also did a lot of theater stuff with the kids. We always had. Um, plays going on once a year, and we did costumes and made sets in the art room. So it was a lively, it was a lively place to work. I really loved my experience there. But I always had the dream to start an art school, and luckily I had two friends that shared that dream with me.、Um, Mary Thielander and、uh, Frith Bale were both signed, both signed on with me to get the not-for-profit set up. And we called it Art Barn School. And one of the reasons is we wanted an A. <laughs> we wanted it to start, you know, close to the top of all those lists, right? But we also we also wanted the idea of the barn. Like initially, we were going to we applied for space at Witchwood Barns, which was just getting started at that point. Unfortunately, we did not get that space. But really, we ended up. Just in Midtown,、um, sharing space with a dance school over on Young Street, and、um, it was a good first location for us because sharing we we didn't have that huge expense of the big studios, so we worked there for a year at the dance school, just using their studios as needed, and then we got our location on Eglinton West. So that was. 
that was thrilling. We had our actual first home and it's just, uh, we've been there ever since. I want to get into Art Barn in a little bit, but at what age did you realize that your passion was in the arts and it was something that you wanted to do with your life? Oh my gosh, that's going way back. But honestly, when I was a teenager, like I was 15, I guess, I um, got a summer job teaching in a park. They used to do that in those days. They used to put you in a in a park and say, okay, now you're going to run the summer program and there's your box of materials. And so, yeah, that's how I get started with kids. And I just, I just loved it. I loved teaching them and I loved, um, you know, coming up with ideas for their activities and yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a good, good beginning. So that I guess was my first introduction with, um, with art teaching kids Mm-hmm. And then you chose to go into fine arts um, at York University. What mm-hmm. was that experience like back in the 70s? The fine arts building had just been completed when I started there. Um, it was a fabulous, lively place to work. So many great things going on. There was a dance studio down in the basement. You could sit and look through the windows and watch the dancers it was just great. There was huge sculpture studio. I took sculpture. I took uh, costume uh, design. Um, yeah, it was a lot. There was lots of variety of courses. So I really, I really enjoyed my time there. Met some wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Do you remember your favorite classes? I would have to say I thought the sculpture was really a powerful thing to learn because we worked in a huge studio with all this equipment and. There were technicians to help us, of course, because the equipment was dangerous. But yeah, and I really thought that was great because one of my other passions is architecture. I did consider taking architecture at that time, too, but it worked out better that I was in fine arts. Mm -hmm. So after you graduated, where did you end up going? I started working freelance in doing graphic design. It just happened that my final year at York, I was part of a program where I had studio space and they allowed me to actually practice graphic design and do posters for plays and things that were coming up around the university. So I got practical experience and I got a portfolio together and I just went around and door to door and (laughs) finally got (laughs) a job. You know, and then I, you know, I just worked a bunch of different jobs for graphic design. In those days, it was pre-computers, if you can even imagine that. (laughs) It was cut, it was called cut and paste, right? It was like, it was like, yeah, you had to do everything on paper and it was physical and yeah. But you were trained in all the different types of um, fine art subjects like uh, painting, uh, drawing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Even, scul- even, even sculpture, right? Mm-hmm, the sculpture was fun, yeah. And um, costume design. So I actually created costumes and sewed them. Wow. <laughs> so so your, your life could have taken many different paths. Absolutely, absolutely. But, but um, working in different uh, design studios after graduating was a great introduction to that world. And then it... F- Eventually, I decided, um, you know, my life took a different turn. I got married and started a family. And I thought, 
I did want to um, to work from home, right? So I set up mm-hmm. a studio in my home and and worked freelance. Luckily, I'd had made enough connections in the design studio world to get freelance projects going uh, in my home and uh, be there for my kids as they came along, one and the other. So yeah, yeah, it worked out fine. How many kids do you have? I have two, a boy and a girl. Oh, perfect. <laughs> They're grown up now. <laughs> I see. Yeah. So when did you realize you wanted to pivot to art education? It was when my children started school. So we, we had a house here in Midtown, and uh, we still live there, actually. We, and they, they went to um, Allenby School, Allenby Public School. So when they started school, I of course, got involved with the parent association and um, with a group of parents there, uh, there was an empty classroom and we started a publishing art center in the school, which was great because the, you know, at that point it was fun for the volunteers to go in and work with the kids and the teachers and the, you know, it was just a great experience. And it was just luckily at that time that they had that empty classroom of course, now there's no empty classrooms at Allenby, but we, we so enjoyed working with the kids. And then after volunteering like that for a number of years, and we're still doing the graphic design stuff on the side, I just felt, you know, at this point in my life, I wanted to just try something new. So that's when I applied for um, teacher's college, right? Mm-hmm. As I felt after working in the school, I felt really comfortable with children and I wanted to wanted to expand my horizons towards that. So you then went to um, Fieldstone School, right? Yes, that's correct. Where you taught six years uh, visual art and you also mentioned um, you helped them put on plays. Yeah, it was great. I loved working with them and it was a wonderful team of people we had around us at, at Fieldstone, just great great teachers. And um, it was nice. It was a co-ed school. So we had boys and girls. And, you know, it was just a really super experience. Tell me about some of the activities you would put on for kids uh, at Fieldstone. Well, we, um, I, I was sort of in charge of special events, right? So we, we always had a hearts festival, sort of around Valentine's Day. And I put together like a rotation of activities for the children. So they like they moved around the school to different classrooms. Each one, each classroom had a different activity. I got all the teachers going on it. And that was that was a really that was a really fun thing to do. We did that every year. Then of course the plays always happened in the spring. That was so special. Because the art room, we had I had a huge art room. It was beautiful with like skylights and, you know, a ceramic floor that you didn't have to worry about dropping paint on. And yeah, it was beautiful. And this the stage was right next to the art studio, so they could come in from the stage, go into the art studio, get makeup and stuff, and go back on the stage. So Mm -hmm. it was yeah, it was a great setup for for the drama and the art together. In terms of the uh, the visual arts components that you taught them, were they doing drawings, paintings? What were they doing in class? Well, this school uh, focused on sort of a global education. Mm-hmm. They had a very wonderful curriculum for children based on history and classics and chess games at lunchtime. And it was very, very nice. So 
I was expected to fit the art program into the other subjects that they were learning already. So, for instance, we, especially with history, we, um, we did a lot of art history with them. The grade twos would be doing Egypt as a, you know, learning about Egypt. So I would do Egyptian art with those kids. The grade ones did, um, they did Vikings, actually, the grade ones. So we got Viking art going. <laughs> so I just, I just sort of fit my, my teaching in with what the other teachers were, were doing. The big challenge for me was um, getting the grade 12 curriculum organized. Like that is a very serious sort of curriculum, right? Because they have to get their credit. Um, and and that point, it was not so much what the little kids were doing, but it was more like like serious sort of intellectual work creating and uh, writing and uh, you know being being assessed from my point my standpoint I wrote cards for all the kids you know so that was all my part of my job were some of them also considering going into the arts yes a number of my students I was proud to see did go into the arts and uh, even architecture so Mm -hmm. yeah I think the the lessons I taught them maybe had a good (laughs) impact on them That's great. Yeah. So what is it about teaching art that makes you really passionate? I just like to see their little faces light up, you know, when they're when they're engaged and they really they really get excited. Children are just so delightful the way they just get so excited by the simplest things like, Mm. you know, we here at Art Barn, we have um, we started a mini mini art program like early on where caregivers would come with the children, right? Because they were so little. And uh, we even did it with one-year-olds. But my my biggest thrill was to see them at the easel. So we'd set up the easel near the window, nice for light, and we'd give them the paints. And even the children who could not yet speak, um, the like the one-year-olds maybe, if you hold out two different containers of paint to them, different colors, they will grab the color they want and they'll push away the color they don't want. <laughs> I've tested them. <laughs> so so it's hard to believe, but children, even before they can speak, can get that paintbrush and make a mark. And when they do that, they just get so excited because it's something they did, right? And yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. a universal impact of making your mark. Mm-hmm. So you seem to really like little kids. Oh, I love children of all ages, for sure. But yeah, the little ones are very special. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's move into the phase in your life when you actually founded Art Barn. That was uh, in 2005. That's correct, yes. You've had a lot of experience in art education by that point. But you said that Art Barn, the idea of an art school, was thought up a long time ago. It was, yeah. It was always sort of what I dreamed about, I guess was to have the art school. And, you know, through good fortune and great, great people around me and wonderful teachers and, and board members, I was able to pull it together because it's something it takes a team to do this. It doesn't, it's not just one person, I could never do it myself. It was always part of a team. So we really focused on that. And, uh, and I, and because when you're a charity, you have to have a board of directors and keep minutes of meetings and it's all very formal so uh, we did have fantastic 
directors over the years who've been really supportive and brought their talents to bear. So we've had lawyers and accountants on our board of directors with their talents, their special talents. Mm -hmm. Did you have to quit your job at Fieldstone to do this? Yes, it was a transition. Um, I'd worked at Fieldstone six years, and I felt I did want to make that transition at that point in my life. So was it scary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, I'm an optimist, right? So it was always it was always going to be working out. So it, and you know, so it did. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was um it was a sort of a formal. Uh, yeah, I I. I um I guess I retired. They 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 gave me a, a retirement present. I I retired from Fieldstone, but I went into a different phase. So it just took different directions. So, so tell me about the early days of uh, Arbron. What was it like? We started out in a church basement, and that was like for a year. We did that. It was, yeah, it was tricky. I was at that point. I was trying to get teachers you know to sign on and networking a lot in the community and people just gravitated to the art school like they just even though we didn't have a proper school we were sharing space with with another entity they still people would just walk in and say hey what are you doing you know <laughs> we had this one elderly gentleman he came and he was like my first student and he said well, I'd I want to do some painting. And I said, well, that's great, but we don't have any other people in the class. So I guess I'll just teach you painting. And he said, perfect. So, <laughs> so he and I sat down once a week and painted, you know, together. And yeah, it was wonderful. He stayed on as a student for years with us coming wow. every week. Yeah. What was, was he really interested nice. in painting? He was like, at that point, he was in his late 70s I guess or early 80s and he um he'd already had a career as a, a fashion designer and as a, a florist so he had a lot of talent with color and design and everything so he just wanted to paint so we did all different kinds of painting. <laughs> how many classes uh, back in 2005 uh, did you guys offer and um, how long did it take for Art Barn to gather enough students to uh, sustain itself financially? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I know we started out very well, we only had limited access to studio space at that time. So we started out with maybe four classes, um, at a couple of after school classes. We had the adult class um, in watercolor. We did, um, and then we did a mini art. So I did start the mini art even at the very beginning. Um, the children came with their parents and that and then we moved then we moved to the um, sharing with the arts with the dance studio and sort of gathered more people that way yeah I mean I did not take any salary for a number of years because I knew that that wouldn't that wouldn't really help the school at all so yeah it did take it did take I'd probably say about four years for it to gather momentum um and it was pretty much me answering the phone and doing all that but as things went on i had lots of lots of helpers so and lots of teachers yeah it worked out great tell us about why you decided to make art barn a nonprofit. 
I had these ideas for the art school, and I also had friends who were who I'd worked with before. Um, Frith Bale is a potter. She does amazing clay work. She's a clay artist, really. And Mary Thielander, she was at that point working as a an editor and writer. And so she and I and Frith, we would sit down and have these long conversations over coffee. <laughs> and um, and we came up with this this sort of plan for the school. And Mary was also an educator as well as an editor of, of books and whatnot. We wanted it to be all about the art and the education um, rather than profit because we sort of laughingly said to ourselves, well, it's never going to make any money anyway, so we might as well make it a, a not-for-profit, right? <laughs> Which made perfect sense to me at the time. Um, and we also, as we learned more about running a charity, uh, we knew that that would be our goal. You start out as a not-for-profit incorporated company, and then you apply after a certain period of time, you can apply for charitable status, which did require the help of a lawyer at that time and, and um, a number of people that were on the board. Um, we had to pull together what's called bylaws to make our charitable application. Um, we came up with you know vision statements and what we were trying to do with the school. And uh, so that... That was let, laid the groundwork for the entire charity. And we did get our charitable status. And then moving forward, this allowed us to do fundraising and to offer tax receipts for people's donations. And, and things just sort of blossomed from that. In terms of some of the charity projects, can you tell me a little bit more about uh, uh, those? So part of our charitable work that we do... Originally, we we started taking on um, scholarship students. That was great. We created sort of guidelines for the scholarship students. They had an application form. We we were doing this early on, like even even um, as we started our first location, our proper location on Eglinton. We started with the scholarship program. Over the years, we helped maybe many many children. Uh, with their art classes and and watch them grow and develop and yeah it was it was a very productive and positive experience so we did that and then two years ago we got funds from Art for Cancer because they were closing their charity and when a when a charity closes their operations they must give everything they have to another charity. So this is something we were the benefactors of, of a, a, a light, a really nice endowment from them, and they also gave us materials and tables and chairs and paint and brushes, and all those things that they had in their studio when they closed. Sid Palacio, who was the art for cancer person in charge, she um, uh, joined our board of directors, and so we had that continuity with her there to make sure that we were continuing the work of the um, Art for Cancer uh, in the correct way to give people living with cancer the opportunity to have free art classes and also to take workshops um, mm -hmm. on Sundays, sort of Sunday workshops that we still run. 
we're still open for applications for people who are living with cancer. We need, we are happy to take on more people and spread more free art around for them. We've had great feedback from these people saying it helps them so much. It takes their mind off their worries and lets them relax. And yeah, it's art, as we know, is a very, a very therapeutic thing. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about the range of classes and programs offered here. For adults, we do a lot of painting classes. We've got different kinds of painting. We've got oil painting, acrylic, watercolor. Um, And with Zoom, we even have a teacher who's working from her home in Brazil. And so she can can teach. We we met her when she was working here in Midtown. Um, We also have a a really strong clay program, and this was instigated by Frith Bale. She is a wonderful clay artist, and this was her passion. And so we, we, um, we did a fundraiser and had and bought the first kiln, started the clay program. So that has been a wonderful, a wonderful addition to the school because it's not just painting and drawing. It's also three dimensional work, something that, you know, I feel really strongly about. Are the classes mainly for beginners who want to just explore and have fun with art? Or do you also have programs for people who want to learn more of the advanced techniques as well? Mm-hmm. We have we have a range. Yes, we do have beginner classes. Like there's one that's called Oil Primer. And uh, Joan McGivney teaches that. She's amazing. She, um, she gives them like a step-by-step how-to to make a painting. And people follow along. And it's just... They, they feel so proud of themselves at the end because they have a beautiful painting to take home. So, yeah, I know that's a great class for beginners. We have two incredible drawing classes with Catherine Chellum. She does drawing for the terrified beginner and the not-so-terrified beginner. So, so she does those two classes, and she's had um, great success with those. Of course, our watercolor classes are great, too. And we have we find the adults, when they come to an art class, there's always a range of experience with art, right? So some people come to it with already experienced and some people are just new to it. But we we find that having both um, beginners and, and um, more experienced people in the same room, it they learn from each other. So, you know, we really are looking forward to doing more in-person classes coming up. We can't wait to get back to having the studio filled with painters, painting. It's just so incredibly lively when they're all together and they're socializing. And it's it's what people really enjoy. So, yeah, we're, we're really, we really miss that. <laughs> yeah. With the Zoom, it's all very quiet here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, I wasn't able to see like an in-person live class. Can you tell me what um, the experience is actually like? Mm. Well, for instance, we have um, some acrylic painters that come for Jackie Siklos's classes, and um, they've been coming for years. So they will come in. People come in with like giant canvases and rolling suitcases filled with paint. Wow. <laughs> And they set themselves up and there's just, it's just like an explosion of color and excitement in the room. Like, yeah, it's, it's hard to describe. It's a party, really. It's a social event. Like they're chatting and laughing and, you know, 
paints mm-hmm. flying around and <laughs> they drink coffee and yeah no it's so it's very informal it's not like a teacher up there at the front sort of telling you what to do oh well no it depends on the class but that particular class with Jackie um she will she will do a lesson at the beginning of the class and show a technique i mean she's a very gifted artist herself all our teachers are are gifted artists and um yeah and so she'll teach she'll do a lesson but then people will go back to their tables and they will you know incorporate what they've learned or they'll look what somebody else is doing and they'll get some ideas and it's it's an interaction of people it's not it's not like formal learning sort of thing where mm. you know there's just the teacher teaching and the pe- students learning right mm-hmm. <laughs> it's um it's hard to describe yeah it's a lot of fun it is a lot of fun especially with the big canvases and oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> it gets very messy. <laughs> but we don't mind. That's what it's for. And there you know, we don't worry about the floor. The floor's got paint all over it. You know, you can only worry about it so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just it's that's what it is. It's a relaxed place for people to create. That's our goal. It's just to make people relax and have fun. Mhm. What are some paintings that uh you can think of off the top of your head that came out of your studio? Oh my gosh, we had well, we had this one artist would come in with like a really big canvas. I'm, I'm talking like three feet by four feet, so huge, right? And then she would she would put like sort of, she was very into abstract. It was so interesting. We've had some wonderful abstract work done at the studio and like not just representational sort of things. But yeah, she would come and blob the paint or drip the paint or, oh my gosh, so many techniques. So yeah, it was always, it's always interesting to see what people come up with. There's mm-hmm. always something different, you know, with, with creative people, you're always seeing something different. Do you teach any classes yourself? Yes, I teach, I teach the children's classes. And if we do special workshops, I do those. Um, we have done a number of projects in local schools with murals um, and I've been organizing those and we did a really nice one for John Fisher School a few years ago before COVID and uh, it was um, with giant dots that they uh, the children again we were lucky enough to work inside the school with their with their own um, designated room for the duration of the mural project uh, took took many weeks to get it done and then all the children in the school had an opportunity to paint on the on these mural pieces we did giant dots so they were like big round dot plywood dots like huge and small so yeah it was that was a good one tell me a bit more about um inside the mini art program how how exactly do you teach art to very very young kids (laughs) (laughs) like as young as one year old yeah, it is pretty chaotic. Um, we have, well, we first we have we have the right furniture, right? It's very important with children to have the right size chairs and tables. And we've been so lucky over the years to have a lot of stuff donated, a lot of easels and furniture and all kinds of things. So, um, so they sit at their little table and they have their caregivers or parents sitting behind them. And so they're able to you know, to work on the table, even if they're, when we have little tiny chairs, right? 
So it's like a little nursery school, really. And <laughs> and then we set up we set up stations around the room so they can go from one to the other. And one of our most popular station was always the washing up bucket. So, <laughs> so we give <laughs> this was pre-COVID, okay. We did um we set up a bucket with warm soapy water. And, you know, when they got messy with their hands and they go and wash up in the bucket and they just, they just love it. Like they just, <laughs> it's water play for them, right? It's fantastic. And uh, they'd all be splashing the bucket together. And then they, and then they go and painted the easel, which is, which is a brilliant idea really, because when they're standing at the easel, they're so short, some of them have to have to hold on to the easel with one hand and paint with the other because they can't quite yeah. stand. <laughs> but but it's hilarious. So yeah, so they have fun. They have fun painting. Um, yeah, we and we have little sort of crafty things that we have them make a little a little puppet or a little butterfly or something that they can do themselves. And yeah, now then then when they're about two. We have we have sort of benchmarks. So when they're two, I feel like they're ready for scissors. So I, I um, even though it sounds like crazy to give two year old scissors, um, <laughs> we have special little scissors, right? And we also make play doh for them. So the, for the two year olds, I would make the play doh and then have them take their little and they have little plastic scissors to start out that don't cut their fingers. So I would have them, um, you know, sort of roll out the Play-Doh and then cut it with the scissors. So this is this is a way to, to learn to cut with scissors. So important for their fine motor skills. And actually, um, cutting with scissors is a really good prep for uh, teaching children how to hold a pencil or pen and, and write and print. Mm -hmm. So that, it's important, like art for the little ones is so good for their brains and it's so good for their motor skills. So yeah, we'd like to keep them, we like to keep them busy. <laughs> and the classes are very short <laughs> because, because with, um, with one-year-olds, it's only half an hour. Like, honestly, they can't, it's too long. Even that is long for them. Right? Yeah. So we're doing yeah. just one thing, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, but in one hour, in half an hour, they can do, they do like three or four activities. So you have to have everything prepped mm. so carefully to make sure, they, to, to make sure they're busy and not, you know, getting into mischief, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Short attention span. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's great. Yeah, it's good fun. I saw that a former student left a review on uh, the Art Barn website saying that, um, uh, the class uh, that's called Drawing for the Terrified Beginner, um, that it was so fun. I thought I would be a desperate failure, but everything's broken down for you. Anyone can draw. Is it Art Barnes' belief that anyone can learn to do art? Absolutely. Absolutely anybody. It's so true. Like that, the Drawing for the Terrified Beginner, that Kathy Chellum, she has proven that with, with really expert teaching, like her teaching is so precise right um and she herself has a wealth of experience teaching so when she does that class um it's true anybody can take it and feel successful they are successful at the end 
Do you have memorable uh, stories of students who've gone through Artburn and the impact it's had on them? Yes, I do. I do have. Sometimes they do come back and um, tell me that you know what they learned or what they enjoyed. So that that has been really nice to see because、um, we have done this seventeen years now.、Um, we do have. Students who started at Mini Art, right? And so, wow. Yeah, sometimes they come back. Yeah, sometimes they come back and do their community service hours with us as teenagers. So that's nice. Onto some questions about、uh, art itself.、Um, in your opinion, what's the value of art, and why should more kids and adults be involved? I feel really strongly about art, of course, <laughs> but I have.、Um, You know, in my experience with children, I've noticed that children really need three-dimensional art to actually develop their spatial acuity. I have seen children. You give them like Play-Doh or something like that, and you say, "Let's make a bunny," and they will make the bunny, but it'll be flat. It'll be like a like a drawing on the table. Yeah. And they'll squash it down, like put the legs and head and everything. But what you want them to to do is to make the three dimensional bunny, because that will help them understand the world around them. It actually is really, really good for the brain. And we find with the younger children, if they haven't had access to things like play doh or things like blocks or things that that are three dimensional, then they kind of They kind of miss something. They miss something in their development. So it is super important to have them do tactile work.、Um, you know, depending on what it what it is they're trying to do with paper, scissors, blocks, so that they can see in three dimensions.、Mm-hmm. Because all the all the work they're doing now, the children on the screens, everything is very flat. Right? It's not good for the brain. So we like to promote. Messy, tactile things. Yeah, there's also、mm-hmm. the therapeutic aspect of art for perhaps、uh, adults. Yes, yes. I think anybody、um, can feel more calm after making art or doing something creative. It using it's using the other side of your brain, really.、Mm-hmm. And yeah, in in these times, we found that people were so grateful to get on the Zoom and. And have the art and do the art from their home, and the teachers loved it, and yeah, so it has been a lifesaver for our art education to、mm-hmm. have Zoom. Yeah, can anybody get very good at art through training and practice, or do you need a certain level of talent? Not sure about talent. I think、um, I think you're right. It, training and practice is is so key to to. Developing more advanced sort of art forms, I think,、um, and practice. You know, practice is practice. So, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't dispute talent like latent talent, but I think I think anyone could could really achieve something in art and、mm. the satisfaction of doing it. Is there such a thing as bad art? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> No, it's all great. It's all great. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's all subjective when it comes to assessing the value of art. It's about more about expressing yourself and your creativity. That's very true. That's、mm. very true. 
I mean, there's a whole other art world out there. The purchasing of art and the and the displaying of art and the museums and all that. Um, but yeah, I think on a personal level, people can enjoy it and mm -hmm. feel accomplished in some way. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's all positive. Mm -hmm. Do you still have time to do art yourself since the founding of Art Barn? I do enjoy my own art making and um, I've, I've had very little time, but <laughs> I do try to squeeze it in sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. What yeah. kind of art do you do these days? Well, last summer we have, we actually have a farm um, near Thornbury. And so last summer or the summer before, I guess we, we created a studio out of this old building, this old barn building. And so last summer I spent a lot of time in my studio there and did um, wreath making because oh. we had a lot of grapevine grapevine growing in the, around the farm that was choking out the trees. So I would cut that down and then make wreaths and then spray paint them. So this was this was great fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did and I found it super relaxing. I um, I love painting. Whenever I get a chance to paint, I paint. Um, but no, it has been a full-time kind of commitment to this art barn, so I don't have a lot of extra time. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess to wrap things up, um, what's your plan for Art Barn in the near future? Well, we just we just want to get back to where we were in 2019. That was a great year for Art Barn, <laughs> as it was a great year for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we're we're hoping to get back there where we were. Just have lots of classes going, lots of people coming in, excitement. We really want to um, do um, a, another fundraiser. We used to have really fun fundraisers and do a big big party and have art on the wall and you know that's that's what we would do every year mm -hmm. um so we haven't done that for a while we're looking forward to that well i hope to see it uh, a success and i uh, hope things thank will you. get back to a little bit more normal in the near future yes it will well thank you so much linda thank you sissy it's great meeting with you today that was Linda McMaster, the founder of Art Barn, a nonprofit art school based in Toronto. You can check out the classes they offer and their Art for Cancer program at artbarnschool.com. Also, if you like what you just heard, please do subscribe to my podcast and head over to cc-wang.com, that's S-I-S-S-I-W-A-N-G.com for more interviews like this one, plus read about the guests you just heard and see pictures from the interviews. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. Until next time.